Hi, everyone. I'm Laura Marzi, and thank you for tuning in to our latest Line on Leave podcast from the Hartford. As we move closer to a COVID-19 vaccine, employers still must be vigilant about safety in the workplace. We definitely all know that. And our topic today is going to focus on how employers can continue to keep workers safe while minimizing the risk for everybody. I've got two special guests today. The first is Dr. Adam Seidner, who is the Hartford's chief medical officer. He has a strong background in public health and vaccine development and is going to provide some important insight for employers. My other important guest is Donato Monaco, who is vice president of the Hartford's Health Services Division. His group has a special purpose to help employers with injury prevention recovery and absence management within the disability and workers' comp field. And Donata's gonna help us understand some of the latest technology geared toward employee health and safety. So why don't we start off with a couple really important questions for Dr. Seidner. And maybe you can bring us up to date on your thoughts on the vaccine and how close we are with widespread distribution. Thank you is uh, an excellent topic and happy to discuss that with everybody. Uh, Novavax is the fifth um, COVID-19 vaccine to enter phase three clinical trials. Uh, most folks are aware that in the United States, we already have emergency use authorization of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which are mRNA vaccines. And next month in February, we'll most likely see the approval for the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has currently been approved and being administered in the UK, and then Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a little unique in that it's just one shot, as opposed to all the others that I just mentioned, which requires two shots. And when you think through um, some of the implications of that you know, how far are we away from getting to a place that I've heard a lot in the media around herd immunity? And how many doses will it take? You know, how quickly could we go? Any thoughts around that? Sure. So basically what we need to understand are a few things. To get to herd immunity, we're probably going to have to be in the 80 plus percent range for COVID-19. Meaning 80% of the population will have to be immunized. Now the vaccines are currently doing a good job of preventing COVID-19, the disease, but we're also learning more about how well it will impact the transmission of the virus, SARS-CoV-2, to other people. So someone could be vaccinated, but still could have the infection, not be sick, and be able to transmit it to someone else. So hopefully the vaccine will decrease that transmissibility. And once we get enough of the population inoculated, we'll be in that community or herd immunity phase. Now, one of the things that we've been struggling with here in the US is to get the vaccine administered. So keep in mind one third, the ratio of vaccines available are three times what we've administered so far. We need to do much better, especially since the government is going to release all of the vaccine available. So that's going to you know, increase the denominator and also wind up decreasing that fraction. So we need to get closer to 100% or a one-to-one distribution and administration. And so once we start seeing those changes, we'll know we're in a good place and that we'll be able to get closer to that herd immunity or community immunity. 
And, you know, one question I've had that I, I know a lot of others share is, what is the role of mask and, and personal protective equipment, along with social distancing, distancing, especially if you've, you know, had both of your shots or you, you're able to get the one shot, you know, immunization? How does this all work in terms of how we're supposed to behave when we're, you know, moving around in, in a workplace? Yeah, so realize that all the public health measures are going to need to be continued and followed until we get to that community immunity, and it's going to take a while. Um, It may not even occur this year. So continuing with social distancing, wearing face masks and wearing them properly, and doing a whole host of other activities such as quarantining if you've been exposed or isolating yourself if you've been infected, will be required to make sure that we have a safe environment, including the workplace. And when you think about the role of the employer, and we, you know, trying to focus a lot on that today in our podcast, what kind of workplace interventions do we know, you know, along obviously with immunization and, you know, the right um, PPE and social distancing, when you think about what employers can do to keep everybody safe, would you mind giving us some thoughts around, you know, just how things like environmental or ergonomic equipment play a role or even things like questionnaires and temperature checks? What are, what are your thoughts on all of those? Absolutely. So realize there's a whole host of uh, controls that the employer can implement in the workplace. And sometimes we refer to them as a hierarchy of controls. One of the things that they can do is obviously eliminate as best they can COVID-19 in the workplace. How do you do that? Well, you can find people that are infected to home or you have those just not having to work in the workplace, but from home again, so telework. And for those that do need to come in, we need to look and say, make sure that they're have solo workstations. We don't want shared workstations. Yes, we can clean the surfaces and everything, but having shared staplers and other equipment, phones, um, is problematic. So that's one area, elimination. The other is engineering. So engineering and environmental controls consist of things like barriers, which can be plexiglass. I call them kind of cough and sneeze guards to continue with the six-foot distance, including what we can do in elevators, um, and hand hygiene is all important as well. Another area to think about is administrative control. So is there a staggered presence? Do people come into the office at different times so that everyone's congregating in the lobby or moving through a certain space simultaneously? We can also limit meeting sizes and or use of conference rooms. Um, Also limit travel. And there needs to be um, signage to educate and remind people of whatever the activity is that the employer is trying to enforce. And that brings us back to personal protective equipment, which could be masks and face shields. And again, the the fact is masks need to be worn. They need to be worn properly um, as we go forward. Another thing that the employer can do is have an attestation um, where they ask a series of questions about exposures and symptoms, as well as potentially have employees take their own temperature at home. But they can also have equipment available in the workplace to take employees' temperatures as well. We talked a lot today about 
those pragmatic roles of the employer and what they can do to, you know, stage the workplace, make sure it stays secure. I would love, you know, any of your thoughts around mental health support and empathy to employees. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's, I think all employers need to recognize this is an extremely stressful time for their employees and they do need to um, show empathy. There's a number of different ways they can do that. But in addition to making sure supervisors and others uh, are helping the employees is to make sure all the policies and procedures are clear so that there's no ambiguity. If someone gets sick, you know, what kind of leave and absence management is going to occur so it's not a question mark in their mind. And also to make sure that their human resources and employee assistance programs are all ready to help these people as they go through this difficult time. And it could be for themselves, it may be their families. So again, some of the health insurance programs may have offerings that they can embrace as well. And just realize, um, I was a little shocked the other day when I was reading that, you know, substance use disorder is is up um, as well as overdoses uh, in during this pandemic. So all the work that we've done around opioid use uh, disorder and addiction um, is still a problem, and the COVID nineteen is exacerbating it. Agreed. I think that, you know, a lot of what we're hearing, especially in some of the proprietary research that we've been doing at the Hartford, you know, really talking to employers and their employees about what it means to be clear on mental health support really starts to, you know, give us new insights on how much the stress level is impacting people personally. And I think that that's some great counsel there. Thank you very, very much. So Donato, would you mind uh, briefly explaining the Hartford's Health Services mission, what they do, and how you work with employers? Sure. Thank you, Laura. Given the Hartford's unique position as the largest combined disability and workers' compensation insurance carrier, and also our number one carrier administrator position for leave of absence services, we established the health services team to focus on our connected claim services and combined reporting offering for joint disability and workers' compensation customers to improve accuracy and satisfaction. In addition, we also offer injury prevention and wellness services above and beyond what is available through our policy benefits or typical risk engineering services. Think of services such as on-site or virtual pre or post-offer health assessments, early symptom intervention programs, or more recently, COVID-19 workforce support services like temperature monitoring and testing. Mm -hmm. We engage with customers and non-customers through our account management claim services, risk engineering teams, as well as directly to and through our licensed agents and broker partners. So Donato, we recently had Alicia Hine on to talk about work from home ergonomics, you know, to help people make sure that they're set up with the right equipment. If you're interested in more tips on working from home, definitely check out our last episode on work from home ergonomics. But now that we have Donato here, I'm wondering if you have any other advice for employers that are just looking to keep their remote workforce safe and productive. Yes, Laura, we recently published a work from home toolkit that provides helpful information across five areas of focus. The first section is related to absence guidelines. It's important that employers set clear policies for remote workers that outline how and when employees can request time off, when they can use leave for illness, and the approval process for absence requests. Alicia did 
speak to the work from home ergonomics, which we address in our second section. It's important to establish a safe and productive at home office setting. Work from home spaces require the right tools, so be sure your employees have what they need to do their jobs. Consider offering assistance in delivering and setting up ergonomic furniture for your remote workers, even if it's done remotely or by video. We've seen that to be very effective. Remote worker compliance, technology, and information security continues to be a major consideration, and we address that in our third section. Having a list of rules in place for video conferencing, internal messaging can help as you're managing remote employees. Consider writing these rules out to share with them and documenting the tools you use in your company. Our fourth section is leadership and employee engagement, which can be difficult no matter where the work is taking place, but especially challenging with remote workers. There's no magic formula for how to work remotely or how to manage employees working virtually, but as you continue to do it, you'll learn what works best for your team. You'll most likely find that managing remote employees, keeping them involved as much as possible will be best. One thing to consider when managing remote employees is to make them you know, more enjoyable in terms of the time you spend with them. So formally schedule time to take coffee breaks or one-on-one -on -one meetings, keeping things light and upbeat. We devote the final section entirely to mental health and wellness. We all have to get used to a new environment when working remotely. So recognize your employees are facing a lifestyle change that can come with health concerns. You'll want to decide if you should structure your employees' work hours and breaks to help them avoid burnout. One option may be offering flexible workers a more flexible schedule that allows them to work around their responsibilities. We include work-from-home tips for staying healthy, such as taking time to get away from the computer, eating healthy, staying hydrated, scheduling time for exercising, and to improve their energy and focus levels. You know, Donata, those are some incredibly great insights. When I think about, you know, the complexity behind just enforcing those guidelines, getting workspaces set up, really understanding, you know, compliance and information security, and then just how you lead through that and focus on, you know, mental health and wellness at the same time. That's a lot. I think what we'll do is share a link to your toolkit in the show notes so that our listeners get a better opportunity to, you know, dig into some of that great detail there. There was one area I thought maybe we could touch on as well and wanted to focus on temperature screening as a safety measure. My understanding is that the technology that's available right now can make this a little easier for employers. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that for a minute. The early feedback we heard from some customers who had multiple buildings or several entrances and operate multiple shifts was that staffing with on-site personnel could be difficult to manage and more expensive than what they were willing to pay, but they still wanted to protect their employees. Based on that feedback, we saw an opportunity to work with a partner to provide a low-cost, scalable, medical-grade technology solution for employers to detect temperature. This temperature detection system also uses facial recognition to determine whether employees, customers, or visitors are wearing masks as required. It's called AITDS, which stands for Artificial Intelligence Temperature Detection System. And essentially, it's like a large stationary smartphone or a small tablet device. We have a great flyer that you can access via the link within the show notes, which explains the system in much more detail and how it can help make your workplace safer and prevent the spread of COVID-19. 
it's fast, so it can provide contactless screening in two to three seconds per employee, which eliminates the transmission of risk from having employees building in queue, waiting for their temperatures to be taken manually. It can provide instant notifications, immediately informing employers via live stream, email, or text when someone fails to meet requirements for entry. Super user friendly. It's automatically adjusts for various heights. It's ADA compliant. It can be used both indoor and outdoor, and it can automate the contactless access through secure entryways as well. Most important, it's cost effective. There's two options at $3,000 or $4,000 per device, which works for either small businesses or large employers with multiple locations. Now, the types of customers um, or employers that have expressed interest um, our you know, example could be like a large financial services firm that was out in the West Coast. They occupied several buildings in a single campus environment. Each one of the buildings had multiple entrances, and they had staggered their shift to ensure social distancing in the workspace, and they were looking for a cost-effective temperature monitoring solution for each entryway. We also uh, talked with a transportation company that runs a 24 by seven operation across dozens of distribution centers with heavy foot traffic coming in and out. They were looking for a cost effective enterprise wide solution that could be tied together. And then we've heard some from main street businesses like independent restaurants and outpatient medical centers that want a no touch, low cost effective way to keep patrons, patients and employees safe. Feedback has been positive to date. So keep an eye out for some social shares, which the Hartford has in the coming days, offering $100 off purchase vouchers for those who are interested as well. That's awesome, Donato. Thank you for the detail on that. I know that the temperature checking is definitely in a lot of people's minds, especially as we're trying to think through what 2021 is going to look like for the, for the workplace, along with you know staggered vaccine distribution to really important feedback. I'm wondering, you know, in the time we have together too, are there any other precautions or procedures you'd recommend to employers just to put in place to keep their workforce safe as we're moving into this new year? Yeah, we partner with a number of providers to offer several different effective on-site and virtual services to help employers maintain a safe worksite. So we can customize a web questionnaire for employees to complete before arriving to their worksite monitoring for temperature, symptoms, and high potential exposure to COVID spread. We can tailor an information hotline to provide direction to employees related to specific employer practices, COVID reporting, or medical attention, including teletriage, which could be coordinated with an employer-sponsored program, or we could actually provide the telemedicine services ourselves through a partner relationship. As an add-on to the basic services, we can still do the on-site temperature monitoring and molecular testing, either at the work site or at home using a tele-nurse to administer those tests. And what's been an attractive service we've heard from a number of customers has been doing job analyses and return to work assistance and services building guidelines and, and processes, as well as virtual and on-site fitness for duty evaluations for employees that may have been furloughed or have been absent due to COVID, or even if they've just been injured and away from the job and they're now returning to a job that require, requires a physical um, lifting, straining, twisting, et cetera. Fantastic, thank you so much. I'd like to close us out now by thanking both Dr. Adam Seidner and Donata Monaco for their thoughts today. 
I thought it's been a great discussion and I thank you all for listening. As always, if you do like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast and, and share it with your colleagues. You can also access the toolkit that Donato talked about and learn a little bit more about the COVID support services in the show notes. And until next time, I encourage you to be well and stay safe, everyone. Thank you so much for listening.